0: Okay, so here's what happened. This podcast episode originally aired several weeks ago, but I made a somewhat significant error when putting it together. When I introduced Latifa, I got her name wrong. Which is not to say I got her first name wrong, I got her last name wrong. When she saw the initial post, she messaged me quite kindly and said, Hey friend, my last name isn't Phillips anymore. She went on to apologize to me for not catching it earlier or not setting me up better, but The real truth here is that it wasn't her responsibility, it was mine. Not only am I the podcast host, I'm a fan of her work, and I'd like to call myself a friend. I knew she'd been divorced. I've even celebrated the work she made about and around the end of that relationship. I should have done a much better job. Not just in research, but of honoring this remarkable artist and this incredible person. See. As a white male, I am generally in a position of power. As a podcast host, that doubles the strength of my position. I needed to have exercised that power more honorably and more lovingly. So this is me, not just fixing the introduction and outro to a piece of digital media. This is me trying to be a better podcast host, a better friend, and a better man. This is my conversation with Latifa Alitas check it out we're all
1: connected hey I, i'm holding the holding the phone next to my ear like i haven't done and i don't know how long
0: right you're <laughs> holding the phone up to your ear and talking to the mouthpiece like our ancestors used to i <laughs>
1: know i don't i don't understand what's happening
0: <laughs> oh did you ever have like a rotary dial did you like i don't know how far back you go
1: we had oh i was born in 81 so we had okay. like those old school phones these AT&T phones that like you punch the numbers and they all had like they were black with like gray numbers and it was pretty cool because they were like business phones you could like conference call or three-way call which is pretty exciting yeah um but yeah those are the phones I remember having but, but I never have, had like the did, did you
0: have the whole thing the where like you where had like, you the, like the 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 one long phone cord so you could like take the phone cord from the living room into your room, into your and room. talk to your boyfriend. Oh
1: if I only had a boyfriend Justin. Oh they didn't
0: have a boyfriend. I had the long phone cord, I didn't have the boyfriend. That's the part that I didn't Exactly have. <laughs>
2: And now I'm
1: devastated. Okay. Oh no. Welcome to the podcast. It's
0: I always fabulous. start off with a little bit of humiliation just to get it going. <laughs>
1: It's, it's, you know, you know if you bring him in and you knock him down right at the top, it's only uphill from here. Yeah,
2: now you know who to charge. <clears throat>
0: yeah, that's excellent. That's That'd excellent. You are. <laughs> um, You're calling from Nashville. Yes, sir. Which is I where am. you live now. Yes. But that's not where you're from. No, I grew up in
1: Houston, born and raised, 18 hmm. years. And then I lived in Colorado for – Pretty much the next eighteen years, I did have a brief year and a half stint in Long Beach, California. Oh. Um what you which into, was, what was Colorado about. Colorado was initially school. I went to CU Boulder for college. Okay. And then I left and went to graduate school in California for a year and a half and then actually got that first boyfriend. Um, speaking <laughs> of which <laughs> 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 My senior good. year of college. And then we went to California because he wanted to be an actor. And I oh, was um, Sounds like that a worked out, degree. by the way. Just
0: by the way, you said actor. Yeah. It sounds like that plan worked.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really worked <laughs> out. No, no, no. I mean, I think he's, I don't know. We haven't talked in so long. He okay. was totally talented. I don't want to like throw any shade. He's a huge fan um, of the
0: podcast. So that's why, that's what I'm angling at here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, when, where would you like if, when I say home, uh do you do you feel like nashville is home do you feel like colorado is home do you feel like houston is home most people i'll just i guess most people who have any stint early in life in texas never really shake it and don't want to regardless of wherever else they go is is houston still home emotionally for you or like what does home mean
1: you know okay so i have this like theory about myself that like when I first arrived in Colorado at 18, mm-hmm. actually I got there as a young teenager. I worked at this like wilderness camp out there for a few summers. And I feel like the landscape, the geography, the climate, the air, the elevation of Colorado, mm-hmm. my body kind of decompressed and relaxed in a way hmm. that it never has in another environment before. Wow. And so I still feel that way, man. Like when I've, I mean, I'm not flying right now cause of COVID, but anytime I, I go back to Colorado, I kind of feel my DNA comes to rest a little bit. Um, hmm. I love that. I love that state. And I, I will say I have loved living in Nashville. It'll be two years this October and I love it here. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. It's been such a good move. Yeah. I, I miss my, my friends in Colorado who are very much like family to me. Um, but this was just what was next. But as far as Hmm. like an environment that like, I feel completely relaxed in, it's always been Colorado and I don't have like a, a, like a severe sense of loyalty to Texas. I mean, there's people I love there. My mom's still there and have some friends there, but Houston's like an armpit, man. It's like, It's got great culture and great food and it's culturally the most diversity in America. It's like 30, 30, 30 Mm -hmm. um, black, brown, white, which I really appreciate. And there's a lot of internationals there, but it is hot and humid Mm -hmm. and like, it's just so the climate is so uninspiring to me. I find it like, it's like a sweaty hug you're getting from someone all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is what it's, I, 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 I mean, where I drive in when I come into Houston, that's what it says. Houston, like a sweaty hug you're getting from someone <laughs> all the time,
1: all the all twenty four seven
0: sweaty hug. Love ya. Come on in.
1: You love you. <laughs> oh, and are you are you in Portland? Am I? Oh, god, is that no. correct? Uh, no? I live in a
0: town called Martinez, Where? California, which is uh, just outside of Oakland. I was born in Oakland, California, grew up here. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a San Francisco area well, person.
1: That makes sense. I mean, it's beautiful out there. Why?
0: Why? (laughs) That makes sense. That's why he's such a jackass.
1: (laughs) It's all coming together for me now.
0: now. He's really hard to deal with. It's kind of a cocky prick. Oh, the Bay Area. We get that. Okay.
1: This this was a great great interview, and I've just really enjoyed my time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Let me know when the record drops. Did you oh, move wow. to Nashville well, I... for community? Did you move to Nashville because it was like business time? It's, a, I mean, it's a, it's an odd place. I, I'll, I, I will go ahead and say this out. It is an odd place to decide to move to without some really, per, like, it doesn't seem like the kind of place to be. Like, ah, oh, we can move anywhere in the country. How about Nashville? We'll see how it works out. Almost anyone I know who moves to Nashville has a plan. Yeah, you Did know, you have a plan? I.
1: I mean, yes and no. I mean, I mean, plans can be helpful, but if you cling to to them too tightly, they become really foreboding. Mm. And so I just I hold plans pretty loosely. But I had gone through a divorce about three years ago and knew um, that I needed to spend at least a year kind of in recovery with my community just because. It's a really huge change and they say, you know, you can only h- handle so much change per year in your mm-hmm. life without having like a massive breakdown. And so, um I spent that kind of first year just doing a lot of crying, a lot of walking, a lot of I made a record actually called Divorce and mm-hmm. um just kind of did all of that and I kind of knew as a female producer engineer artist um that long term it would make a lot more sense for me to be in a city Where there's a lot more artists and art making happening Hmm. um, on the back end of making records. And so I honestly came out with no expectation because I'd already been working out of my own home studio in Colorado for nine years and then kind of doing the artist thing as well. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm already working totally on my own and I have two buddies that are like colleagues of mine that I still talk to regularly, but that's it. And there was no other like female producers like in town that I knew or connected Mm -hmm. was connected with. And, um, I came out here just being like, even if I keep my work exactly the same, like eventually I'll probably make some friends at least that like have the same kind of job as I do. And so, um, I came out here and it's been such a gift. I honestly kind of can't believe um, how generous, like there's a real spirit of generosity I've at least experienced in this town as far as people are just doing their work. And I'm not in country music, obviously. I'm more like in the indie scene. Um, People are just, Nobody's like crazy famous in the way that they don't want to talk to you. It's not like I'm hanging trying to hang out Taylor Swift or something or Miley Cyrus, but like it's mostly just hardworking people who are really great at their job mm. and they love connecting with other art makers. And so the way in which it sounds that's,
0: like for you like there was kind of like you, you did want to be in a business town. You wanted to be in an industry town, but not because you were trying yeah. to get a leg up, but you wanted to be you wanted to be able to do that healthily. You wanted to have community and relationships yeah. with folks who are doing what you do and have a common kind of oh, sense totally. of home.
1: Yeah, and like honestly, I mean, I think 2% of the industry for production and en- engineering is female. There's just not many many of us. Mm. And um and it's been really fun to meet other women who are doing what I do. And then honestly, I keep meeting younger women who are eager to learn and they really want to know like how to produce, how to engineer, how to make their own records. And so that's been really life-giving for me too just cuz there's a lot more people here that I feel like I can kind of also contribute to them. Mm. And because the industry is really small, like Mm -hmm. I had really great, like men to work with who really like spoke life into my ability and encouraged me to learn and believed in me. And that's actually more rare than you think in the industry. And so, um, that's been really life-giving too, honestly, is to just feel like I can contribute Mm -hmm. the way people have contributed to my life. So yeah, it's been it's been great. I mean, I really love it. And honestly, just the, the camaraderie and the musicianship is like, I'm like, yeah. in a healthy way, incredibly intimidated by the skill level yes. of all of my friends.
2: Yeah,
0: that's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, you do, you do a fair amount of, uh, of production work and making other people's music up. So... I mean, I think you know. Him, but at some point, we're going to talk about all, which is the new the new record that dropped just even a few days yeah. ago, which I've listened to a ton of. Yeah, I'm really happy with. I like what you did here, but
1: Thank on the you. on the,
0: like on the ramp inward, um, you do a lot of behind the scenes ish type work where you you're working with other artists, you're finishing their stuff, you're helping other artists improve, and you have. Yeah, I'm going to try to set this set this the table for this question, um, and 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 you have this front-facing uh artistry of yours but it's not your name yeah. yes um and then there is this moment so like what you know and people i i'd heard people talk about like get paid cxvi and et cetera. and it was like it was a band which to some degree it was but really it was you yeah um and then and then you're 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 producing these other records, and there's a little bit of like, a, if I can say it this way, there's a little bit of a distance between you as a as a human person, and mm-hmm. the work that was out in the world with the, a name on it that you said. And then there is this moment with the record divorce and Moda Spirit, yes. which is a podcast you did, which was deeply freaking invasive.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Can you talk yeah. a little about and, and not specific, like you can talk as, as specific as you want to about that yeah. p- time period about that uh, about the project in itself what I'm fascinated by is w- judging by what I know of you publicly and a little bit of what I know of you personally the decision to be that public about yeah. something that deeply personal and um what's the word? it's 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 something other than vulnerable but I'm going to use the word vulnerable until I come up with it. like that's a, that's quite yeah. a left turn you took. Tell me about yeah. the choice you make to do that. Why? Like, why make that public? What's the point for you? Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a really great question. I, I know. I, right? <laughs> you must be from the Bay Area. I must be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, um, I had, you know, I've been in like Christian type space music for a really long time. Like I, I learned how to become a worship leader at 13 and I was doing that in the youth group and then all through college and that kind of stuff. And I'd always had music projects. I had a band called the autumn film mm-hmm. where we played bars and clubs and that kind of stuff. But I'd been leading worship, you know, at this point for like 24 years, never really been on staff at a church cause I didn't want to be, um, but really enjoyed the act of, you know, music in the worship space and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, when I knew I was getting divorced, um, I I had also been going through um, a lot of like deconstruction, reconstruction in, in my later 20s, early 30s. And um, I knew that getting divorced would affect my job mm-hmm. um, because because of my own beliefs about divorce before hmm. I got divorced.
0: Can you break that um, down so, just a little bit? Like, what yeah. is it, like what's that conflict of the, the tension there?
1: So I grew up believing and being told that divorce is only an option if you are getting hit generally more than once, which is also problematic, um, and, or are being cheated on repeatedly with like an unremorseful spouse. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, when, when I think about that now, and if, and I don't have my own children, but if I had my own children and, and they were in a, they were in a marriage where there was a lot of emotional strife and turmoil, a lot of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. But I said, you just got to stay until these two things happen, which is basically like, you got to stay until you get pushed off the cliff. Hmm. Um, I would never say that to my child. Hmm. And the idea that, you know, you have to make something work, even if it's dysfunctional, unhealthy, because if you get divorced for these Anything outside of these two reasons, like God hates divorce, or God might hate you, is mm-hmm. the next thought after that. Mm-hmm. Even though somebody might not say that directly, yeah. and you know, there's a there's a hotter place in hell for the people who make those decisions, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I was uh, with my ex husband for 12 years. We were married about nine. By the end of all of it, and none of this is meant to like demonize him or say he's bad. Um, but I. I knew early on in the marriage that it was a really poor match. Hmm. And, um, but I, I was really committed and I was almost loyal to loyalty. Yeah. Um, and it was
0: as opposed to loyal to the person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so like one way I'd also put this as like, you know, like our current president, loyalty is more important to him than honesty or, uh, (laughs) goodness or kindness. It feels like, yeah. so he's a very loyalty for loyalty sake person. So mm. that's, that's to an extreme. Right. But like I was doing the same thing to myself. I was injuring myself mm. under the platitude of loyalty and then massaging my ego with the fact that I was loyal. Yeah. And, um, and that, that was not good for me. No, that wasn't good for my body. I did a lot of dissociating from my body, from things my body was telling me. Um, and, and, There's a cost to that over a long period of time, and so when my ex husband and I got to a crux in our marriage where I realized we could no longer stay committed, um, I, I chose to end the marriage and I asked for the divorce. And you know, he had some behavior that definitely led me to that decision, but the truth is. If I had been more honest with myself, I would have gotten divorced much sooner before those behaviors had happened. Yeah, and I think that would have spared both of us a lot of pain and um and a lot of strife. And so, I I knew I wasn't sure if I was going to make an album because I had so much intense grieving in the beginning, and um I was really grieving the loss of time, um Mm. that I had invested
2: in the relationship. Um
1: and yeah. Wow because, um, and that's just me being really honest. Yeah. Like, you know, my ex wasn't all bad by any means. Like no one's the sum of their failures or mistakes. Um, and there are, there's a lot of goodness to everyone. I really believe that. But like, I, um, I, you know, I really like most likely have lost my childbearing years and those kinds of things. And it's just, it's just decisions that were made yeah. and there's cost to that. And so I, that's initially the reason why I couldn't get out of bed for six weeks because I just was like, "What do I do yeah, now?" Because
0: the loss, of you time. know. Yeah. So, would you and, writing, um, did, did like, were you in the midst of this? Were, and this is kind of a soul question to some degree. I mean, were there songs brewing that you didn't make space for? Like, at what point do you decide, like, I'm going to put down in song some yeah. of what's happening in my in my in my soul, some of what's happening in my psychology, yeah. or does the decision make, or is it like, yeah, it was like, was was music like a therapeutic part of the grieving process, or was it like, I need to get yes. through some of this shit, and then on the other side of this, I'll be able to say something publicly, and then I'll start writing. How did that work?
1: No, yeah, like I never, I never had an angle. I was never like bent on. I'm going to make this public. It really, it really was like one foot in front of the other. Mm. I learned a lot about living in the present because the past had just been obliterated and Hmm. the future was now gone and all i had was the present Hmm. and so um i really was not making plans and as you can like tell from the comment i made about planning i still i am a little bit resistant to plans (laughs) at this point but um i i remember about a couple months in when i was able to start getting out of bed i would like go sit at the piano late at night and do like guttural screaming singing which was like maybe i'm a screamo artist now (laughs) you know but like (laughs) Um, I knew, I knew that those were just for me. Um, and then, and then about four or five months into the grieving process, I, it was, I, I remember it was like almost 11 o'clock at night. I was in these specific pair of pajamas that I wore forever. And I went and sat at the piano and that the first lyric came out of my mouth, um, it went off like a bang, which is, um, from the song bang. Yep. And I wrote the first two thirds of that song, like flat out, just Right out, yeah, and it just came right out of me, and I actually ended up videotaping it to record it, and I actually it's, it's posted still on my Motus Spirit Instagram from a few years ago, mm. and that was the first moment, the first song, and I listened back to it, and I thought, I think this is actually a pretty good song. Yeah, it is really good, <laughs> and and then and then I thought, well, maybe I'll just write, and I'll just write and I'll see what happens. And about six months into writing, I was like, I have to make this a record. I I have to put it out. And I talked to my friend, Dave Wilton, who co-produced it with me, who's amazing. And, um, he mixed the record as well. And, uh, And we got to the business of making the record. And as the record was finishing up, I was just talking with my friend Luke Bronner, who has uh, the Million Media Group kind of podcasting network. And Mm -hmm. I've been a guest on a lot of his shows. He ended up calling me and said, hey, listen, like you are going to release this record. And I told him at that point, I've decided to name the record Divorce. At this point, no, there was no podcast in my mind. I was just going to release the album. Mm -hmm. And. And he said, you know, a lot of people like had a really visceral response when I told them I would name the record that and they would just go, why, you know? And I said, because I think I should just call it what it is because I have no shame. Hmm. Divorce isn't shameful for me. Divorce was a a gate that I opened that I walked through that gave me freedom and relief. Hmm. And I've realized now that like, God doesn't hate divorce. God, God weeps and grieves with those who are suffering and mm-hmm. I think that God hates us perpetuating trauma onto each other. Mm-hmm. And um and I'm still I still believe in marriage, I just also believe in divorce. And so like um and so I was like I think I need to call it what it is because I know, I know there are women and men who are in marriages who are also like deeply in the evangelical Christian American cultural church, mm-hmm. who are deeply suffering and continuing to hurt one another yes. and some in domestically violent ways, yep. and choosing to stay in marriages because they believe they will lose their community, they will lose their God, and they will lose their belongingness. So-
0: the same way we talked about loyalty for loyalty's sake, there's something to be said for the sorry, idolatrous yeah. al- uh, allegiance, yes. cultural allegiance to yes. marriage as an idea, uh, yes. that it's about yes. marriage and the value of marriage as marriage, as opposed to marriage as the facilitation of healthy relationship. Yes. The, 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 the thing yes. is healthy relationship and flourishing life between yes. people who love one another. And if marriage can facilitate that, then marriage has value. Marriage That's as a right. thing in and of itself as an idea, it's just an idea. The That's weird, exactly right. idolatrous notion that, like, a good portion of like hyper evangelical Christianity adopted from, like, the you know, in response to uh, feminism and the free sex movement, mm-hmm. the uh, like marriage mm-hmm. boom was this protectionist thing, it became this idolatrous, monolithic, yeah. And a truckload of folks ended up being trapped in relationships that were not good for them. They weren't, and and not even just like this good for one person, you're facilitating an abuser's ability to abuse and you're putting the people being abused in these trapped situations. It was, it's just like we were saying, like to value a thing for itself versus like, what is the value of the thing in the context of human flourishing?
1: That's right. That's right. And like, are we caring for the people inside? The marriage yeah
0: and right? i'm assuming are we caring for the human beings you know I, i'm assuming that like as you're as you're putting these things in, in the world the podcast may be more specifically than the record um yeah. like you're conscious of the responsibility you have yeah as an yeah. artist and as a communicator to people living in those spaces was that and like, were you hyper conscious nervous pod- about that go ahead
1: you know, so Luke Luke basically called me and said, I hear your heart and I think that you should do a podcast companion to the album so you can actually better explain mm. like where you're coming from, not to defend yourself, but to offer like maybe some healing or just even like a companion to people who are suffering. Yeah. And that really compelled me. Um, because I've always said that like I desire to comfort the afflicted and mm-hmm. the art that I make. Yeah. And and I just thought at this point in time, some nuance and some ex- with some explanation would be really additive and really helpful. And I knew that it would cost me, but it has been incredibly worth it. Hmm. And it, it has deeply affected my financial standing and my career. Yeah. It definitely decreased my invitations, and it definitely decreased my listener base. And and you know what's funny is that. Um, I've gotten more like verbal kind of hate spewed at me for the all record just for saying Mother God than I ever did for saying, you know, I got divorced. I chose it. I believe it's the right decision. And I believe I'm still totally in communion with the divine the whole time. Hmm. Um, Mother God has been much more upsetting for the community (laughs) because patriarchy is a problem. But uh,
0: (laughs) by the way, there's t-shirts that won't sell. (laughs) Patriarchy is a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. You might be soft peddling no. that. I, uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying we disagree. I'm just saying we can go further.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah, I released it, and I'm really glad I did. I mean, I honestly, I mean, I got a letter a month ago from somebody over Instagram telling me that they had been in a domestically violent marriage for eight years, and heard the podcast um through a random course of events and since was like in the car driving to go be with a family member because yeah. they were leaving and finally getting themselves to safety because they didn't know that God was still love them and they didn't have to be ashamed. That's good. And I and I just want to be so clear. My ex-husband never hit me. That did not happen. Yeah. And I, I do make that clear in the podcast. So that was not part of my experience, but like um but I, you know, I I got that letter and I was like, oh man, I'm so grateful that this this tool like helped you release yourself yes. from being abused. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that's totally worth it to me. And yeah, I am not like a huge like I want to put my whole life on Instagram or right. let everybody know everything I'm eating and how I feel about it. And <laughs> if that's somebody's path, great. But like I actually do like privacy. Yes. Um, but but I do I do feel that my art and my purpose and art making, if it really is to comfort the afflicted, Um, I think I'm going to have to experience some things and share those things with the world because being with somebody that's been there before is generally one of the safest places to find comfort. That's good. And, and so it's just, it's part of, it's part of my path Mm -hmm. and it's okay.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, you're not doing anything altogether that different, um, with this record, the, the record, the all record, I mean, you begins, I mean, just even the way it's, formatted in terms of song sequence and i think you're pretty thoughtful about the way you put together your song sequence yeah have been for years i mean like the records that i have been more familiar with of yours there's some there's some kind of construction here you know throughout like this storytelling yeah like, yeah but you it's <laughs> a yeah. record that begins with the song all and ends with a song called not alone there's a thing you're doing here in terms of the like the comforting of the afflicted there's a there's a kind of i don't want to necessarily use the word mission here because I don't want to necessarily get mm-hmm. tied up into like, like sending kids to Mexico to build houses. But there's, <laughs> but there really is a there's, a, there's an intention here. There's a thing that, yeah. m- m- how should I say this? More so than other of your records, there's a, the, what, it seems to me that the intention behind this record is slightly clearer. Is that accurate? Yeah. There's a little bit more of like, hey, this is what I'm doing with this.
1: Yes. That's and especially with page six VI. You know, I think, I think this is the 13th album yes. that's come out for page mm-hmm. and the only other really highly intentional record I made for page was lullabies, yep. which was hymns. All will focus on rest in peace and that kind of stuff. But you know, the other albums are really, I guess the calendar records are intentional too, but like, but this is my first, you know, I hadn't put out a page record in seven years when I finally released all last week and a lot has changed and I've unearthed a lot of pylons of theology that I think are more about honestly systematic patriarchy and oppression than they are about the words of Jesus. Um, And so I also have, you know, come to a place where I am like openly affirming and, and not just openly affirming, but I also celebrate those and their identity process and their discovery process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have, Realize that focusing on things like hell or violence or blood language um, or things like using blessing really disguised as privilege, like things like that have hmm. really um, stirred so much in my own life and the life of the community that I love that I realize I can no longer even slightly pander to that. Hmm. Um, and because I I can't because there's a cost, it's actually causing harm. Um, And I, and I, and I don't think that that falls in line with loving God and your neighbor as you, as you love yourself. Yes. And, and, and so I've really been trying to cling to that. And so this record was really me coming back. Um, I had, and this was also the first page record I've released without my ex-husband and my, and my last drummer who was a part of the band for all those records previously. Um, so I'm coming out of the gate kind of totally on my own with a lot of different ideas, but with the same love of people and of God and the divine and myself. And and I just thought, you know what? Even if this is the last page record I ever make, I think I have a responsibility to show that people can be on a path, hmm. that people can make shifts and still deeply love God. Yeah. And the, And that it's okay. And that what if, I mean, and this goes back to the divorce record too, what if our belongingness to ourselves, to God, to our community, wasn't based upon you have to believe in these tenets and this list of like moral behaviors and abide by them. And if you do all this, then you're with us and we'll respect you and, and call you honorable or you'll be a peer. Like what if our belongingness just happened because we love each other because we're made in the image of?
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: Like what if what if that was just it? And then And then we actually gave each other room to like breathe and discover and i mean i really think that the spirit of god is so much bigger than we give it credit for and it's moving and it's 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 everywhere and we just have to be open and i think that we hold so tight clenched with our fist these ideas of well, it has to look this way and it has to be this way and these are the people that are in it these are people that aren't that we end up just missing it Hmm. and and i i just felt like I had to put this record out, and I knew I would take heat, and I definitely have.
0: What's that look like? Like the the not just this record, like because I mean, we're talking like this is a few days after release, but what you were doing musically leading up to this record, yeah. sort of like a, a little bit of, like you, had, you released some singles, but you'd also yeah. started leading songs somewhat differently there were communities that you were a part of that grew uncomfortable with some of what you were doing with regards to language and posture talk about what it has looked like because it's one thing you and i both know it's like it's one thing for artists to be like yeah all the haters and you're like dude you you don't have (laughs) you don't have haters like i don't know what the hell you're talking about like people freaking love you like everyone likes you also also, your music is about cheese and girls and everyone's fine with both so what's, what's, what's the thing about haters but, like, <laughs> you have legitimately faced like actual person to person uh not just pushback yeah. but loss. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about one, what does that actually look like on the ground, like to make a decision? and this is part of you know again, the sort of continuation of last the last question. It's like you are living publicly in these pretty delicate uh you are living and express you're living publicly and expressing some pretty delicate things. Yeah. That are coming at some cost to you, which is a yeah. courageous choice, but it's also a choice that is rooted more so in leadership than self-expression, which is a really mm-hmm. great journey for an artist. Mm. So what does it look like for you to know know you're going to get throat punched and still make the decision to put something, to make something publicly? What does it look like? to What has loss look like? What has pushback sounded like and felt like? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think like, you know, one of my, one of my deepest fears is being misunderstood. Hmm. And so it really has been a big journey of trying to let that fear go in this process. My, my deepest fear isn't, you won't love me. It's that you're not going to understand me. (laughs) And Hmm. so I feel less afraid of somebody like not liking me or not liking the music than I do of somebody just like really not hearing what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> and and I've had to really confront that in this process and and realize that like, you know, the people who are who are very um troubled or upset or deeply saddened by the shifts that I'm making, um, I was those people. I I used to think that divorce was wrong and hell was real. And I used to think that like women should not be in leadership and women should not be pastors and, Mm. and that that was blasphemy. I mean, I was that person, you know, so much to the point that when I was a teenager, I told my sister, I was concerned for her soul because she was getting ordained. Like I was really a five point Calvinist. Mm. Like I was, I was all in. And the compassion i can show my younger self is the same compassion i can show somebody else that i'm in disagreement with yeah. and and here's the here's the real truth i don't know if i'm right like if i'm hmm. going to be really really honest i don't think we can actually be certain about almost anything hmm. but we do the best we can with what we're learning and and by paying attention and and i really just try to keep the foundation of loving god and my neighbor as i love myself and mm-hmm. and try to really draw everything from that base premise, or is it regenerating life? Like, is Hmm. it regenerating life or is it generating death? Hmm. And I want to be part of the regeneration of life. And so, so those are kind of the tenets I'm just like clinging to, and then just kind of going from there. And so I don't even need to like, know that I'm like, doing everything right, as much as I'm really just doing the best I can yeah. to practice kindness and love. And yeah. so that means kindness and love to those who are upset with me. And it doesn't mean uh-huh. that I engage in those conversations on YouTube or on Instagram or in the comment threads, because I'm learning that those aren't very fruitful. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I'm learning that when most people ask, they're not really asking. Um, and Hmm. I do try to answer when I believe people are really asking. And then usually after one more communication, I kind of know what's, what's happening. Um, I've had a lot of, a lot of white men want to explain to me what a simile and a metaphor is, which has been really interesting. Okay. Um, because I'm a songwriter and I'm like, I do know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, but then I'm like, you know what, like, this is scary for them. Like, it's really scary because I believe that their belief system is tethered to their belongingness. Hmm. And that, that must be, that must be really hard. Like that must feel really scary. And I actually have a lot of compassion for it. And, and I mean, honestly, Justin, like I'm just at the point, I'm like, I'll, I'm 38. I I'm like getting towards half life here. And I just don't, like time is a non-renewable resource on this yeah. plane in this body. Yeah, and and so I just I don't want to keep wasting time. Good. Like not not being who I am and not letting others be who they are and then trying to like connect and practice kindness. You know, like I do. I I know we like need tenets of like how to behave towards one another. Cause like, you know, if I'm mad at you, I shouldn't murder you. Like there are things that we need
0: yes, to like, that's a good practice. one. Like among available rules,
1: no murder. But, like, um, so yeah, I, I, I just, I can't, it's a compulsion in me. It's not even that. Like, I, I, I almost feel like it's not a choice if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I just have to do it. I yes. I can't, I can't contradict myself anymore. I spent years in a marriage where I contradicted, did not listen to myself, did not listen to my body. And it cost me. Yeah.
0: And did you feel that kind those, of compulsion actually dropping this specific record was because it, it had been a minute, like you could have moved on yeah. and people would have been bummed. I mean, you have a fan base that remembers autumn film in yeah. the same way, but they remember page CXVI and there would have been a, yeah. like a, a some of a loss, but, there's enough newness to your life. There's enough that's new about who you are now that like, if you would have done a completely different thing, it would have been like, Oh cool. If you would have just dropped a Latifah Phillips record and be like, Oh, here we go. It's like, this is it's under your name, but you, you dropped a record under the old band name that is still tied to, I mean, you even include recognizable names, like, you know, you know, uh, you know, faith songs, like great is thy faithfulness. Like, you you, right. put, you still place this thing in kind of that – it's sort of like that new wine, old wineskins sort of like yeah. tension. Like yeah. there was a bit of – is there like a bit of a compulsion? Like I have to do something new with this? Like I have to do this thing? The compulsion was more in the
1: responsibility I felt to like even – whether this is a period or an ellipses, to come back to this, this specific spiritual space with this specific fan base and say – there are other ways. Hmm. And and I did that because I know I know there are people sitting in pews or in chairs or whatever or Zoom sessions now that are dying inside. Yeah. Because the their pylons of theology, much like mine, are imprisoning them hmm. and and they are having to divide themselves and disassociate from parts of themselves. And I just don't believe that's what God wants. That's good. I believe that integration is is valuable and beautiful. And I believe that like if we are God breeds, if God is in our DNA, we don't want to disassociate from our body. No. That doesn't make any sense. That means we're disassociating from the divine. That's silly. Like okay. um it's and I don't mean that my body is God, but it's it's there's there's stuff in the DNA that's moving. You know, know there's what I mean? Be, that we need to be paying to be attention said
0: for for theology whose central moment is the incarnation of the divine. <laughs> like, that's right. I mean, that, I mean, said. yeah.
1: It's just pay attention, right? It's yeah. exactly right. That's and good. so, um, so yeah, I'm actually also I'm doing a podcast right now called Fun Parts that's about human sexuality and spirituality, mm-hmm. and it's with four other co-hosts, and it's it's kind of bringing the same kind of I believe nuance and conversation to the idea of people who have come out of purity culture. Hmm. and there's been a lot of disassociating from our bodies out of purity culture. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, ha- we're, we're, that's like in gear now, I think episode four is out on Wednesday and I've been learning so much. I'm not on that show as an expert. I'm on that show. as like the question asker who's just unashamed to ask anything. Yeah. And, and it's been really life-giving for me. I've been learning a lot and, um, So yeah, I think that like, and that's part of my compulsion too, is I just, I'm curious and, Mm. and I believe that my curiosity will lead me somewhere. That's good. I don't know where, but it's going to go somewhere. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did it under page specifically, whether this is the last one or not. Mm -hmm. I, I do not know at this point because I just, I wanted people to know that they, they were not alone if they're sitting and secretly feeling isolated. Um, they're not alone. And that's like that's that's a good news. That's a good word, you know.
0: Do you believe in, uh, or do you like have an affinity for, or like, do, what does the word or the phrase sacred music do in you? Like, mm. for, so for some of mm. us, I've had the, you know I've had this conversation with folks I think are also friends of yours. Um, Sandra McCracken talked about this a bit cause, uh, mm-hmm. because because the like a similar kind of relationship. To yeah. songs that have been part of like you know sacred music culture. I talk to Audrey Assad a mm-hmm. little bit about this because she's also mm-hmm. had like a history of playing in spaces in which like certain music is considered sacred in a way. Mm-hmm. What is sacred? Is is there sacred for you? Is there sa- is some mm-hmm. music sacred? Is is some music not sacred? Is there is it fair mm-hmm. to call music sacred? Like w- what does that do in you when I say sacred music?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I get, it sort of warms the cock- cockles of my heart for some reason. Okay. I <laughs> being just like, like my initial response when you say sacred music, I mean, I think, I think of a hearth. I think of warm. I think of like red. I think of love. Hmm. And I think of, in- I think of intent. And I think that, I think the intention and in the music and the art is what makes it sacred. And so if if there's a track that's made and let's say the track is made, this is just like off the cuff, what I'm going to say to you, I haven't thought very deeply about it, but if a track is made in the moment and it's really just about like selling Carl's Jr.'s burgers, Mm -hmm. you know, do I think that music is sacred? Not really, but you know, it's serving a purpose and it's probably paying some bills and you know, say la vie. If, if a track is made out of the intent of a space of somebody's pain or grief or love or expression to, to connect, like to connect with themselves, to connect with God, to connect with somebody else. I think that's really pretty effing sacred. So, like I, I think connection is sacred hmm. and I think that it happens less often than we think it's happening because I think we're kind of moving in the universe as people with our like cycles of traumas and pain and ideas. And so when we're meeting somebody in front of us, we're more probably talking to the projection of who we think that person is based on our trauma Mm -hmm. versus based on who we are and who they actually are, you know? And um, there's a, there's a therapist. I think she's a therapist or a scientist called Byron Katie, who kind of talks about this a bit, which is really helpful. But I think that like, so we're not really connecting with what's really there. And I think sometimes we're not even really connecting with ourselves. We're just running around the world doing things. And Mm -hmm. so, I think sacred music is music that's made with the intent of
0: connection. That's good.
1: And awesome. I just came up with that.
0: <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. It's actually, yeah. I mean, a, yeah. a, a thing I come back to often with either uh, clients I'm coaching or in the podcast or wherever is mm-hmm. you know, Seth Godin is a, is a, a, a mentor-ish type of voice in my life. And one of the things he talks about, uh, one of his mantras is that art is anything we create that facilitates connection. Oh, uh, which See? is beautiful so good and that's to yeah. some degree what you're what you're the, the it's the connection that's sacred and that's what he the, part of what yeah. he points out in people's lives and work lives is like hey you're making sandwiches for kids in a household and the fact that there is a sense of like like home and belonging when they sink their teeth into the brunch wagger or whatever like mm. that's sacred he wouldn't say sacred yeah. but he would say that's art you've created art because you've created a sense of connection and i love what you mm. just did was like it's actually about the connection and if something from the artist standpoint makes it sacred in the process it's that that's your intention is that you're yeah. actually consciously saying i really do which is what you're doing with this record it's what you're it's what you've done with yeah. previous records but this one very specifically in this moment in culture is to say hey i want to provide a place in some language yeah. for folks to land somewhat safely and feel a sense of belonging in the way yeah. that you needed to two and a half, three years ago when like, there, yeah. there are you know, and, and not like there aren't, like, no one's making music like this. Well, no, there, there are. There's just not a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you needed a record like this and that's, and so you created a space for the kind of connection you were looking for. I think it's beautiful. It's really, really, that's what I'm saying. It's really clear listening to this, yeah. that there is like a, the, the intention you were just talking about that intention is really, really clear with this record. The other records are good. They're really good records, but this, there's a kind of a, I'm going to go ahead and use it. There is a kind of mission focus to this record that yeah. doesn't. Yeah. It, You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. That That is a little bit more f- kind of foot forward, like more intentional. Yeah. You're a minister yeah, of the I... gospel. That's what's going on here. Oh no. There you go. It happened. Um, oh no. It's great. So, um, one of, the, one of the questions I try to ask uh, guests has to do with talking about attention and creativity. Mm. You've... You know, your history is, uh, is uh, fascinating and inspiring for a lot of reasons. You do a truckload of reinvention, and you have for years. Mm. Um, so, like, you know, you've not only, you know, from, from one band to the next, but like kind of different types of projects and sort of different angles on things. Um. If things were to play out the way you would like them for you Mm. and in the culture around you that's affected by your music. So, if Mm. you put yourself in the seat of power, which you sort of are, and you get to decide how things play out, how people are affected, what kind of cultural impacts are made, and what you look like, what is life in you, immediately around you, and maybe a couple steps beyond you, look like 15 years from now? If things work out for you 15 years from now and your intentions Mm. play out the way, you hope they are. If they're divinely inspired, which I think they probably are, intentions, hopes, and dreams, if things kind of play out, what do you look like 15 years from now as a person, as an artist? Mm. What is the culture around you? What what kinds of things should have happened in the relationships around you, in the music culture around you? What does life look like 15 years from now if, if what you do works the way you hope it does?
1: Hmm. Wow. What a question. You're good at question asking. I have well a done. podcast
0: for crap's sake. I have to. It's the job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um.
1: Wow. Okay. I mean, these are good questions because I I haven't thought about this because of my, of my lack of planning fear. That's but, right. Um. Yeah. I think my my gut says I am. I have inner peace. Hmm.
2: Um.
1: And from that inner peace, I have like a well. Of like regenerative love and creativity that I can pour into the people around me and into the art that I make and hopefully into the art that the people are making around me as well. Mm. So, like if I if I get into the nitty gritty, I want to. I still want to be making records, man. I love making music. Good. It is the best job in the universe. It is so special and it brings me so much joy. (laughs) That's
2: awesome. Um, I love this.
1: And I. I really hope to be contributing, whether it's not, whether it's to, I mean, I always want to be making my own music, but I also want to be helping, um, especially women, um, be making music as well that they believe in and that they're engineering and producing and are just like neck deep in the process. Um, I'm hoping culturally that we'll be in a softer place, hmm. that we will, um, you know, historically, human beings um, don't learn very quickly. And they have to relearn a lot of lessons. And Hmm. I'm hoping that the lesson of um, acceptance, um, the lesson of kindness, um, especially to those who are different from us, will have a better handle on that one. So I'm hoping that my Black brothers will be safer
2: Hmm.
1: um, uh, when it comes to... Being confronted with law enforcement, I am mm-hmm. hoping that there are um, equal opportunities of pay for women. I am hoping that um, that people of color feel less isolated in a country where um, white culture has dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, I am hoping, yeah, I'm hoping too. Honestly, when I think about Christianity, when I think about American Christianity, I'm hoping that those that loyalty to uh, what feels more American and what feels more about power and privilege, mm-hmm. that that gets stripped away from the message of what I think Jesus is actually talking mm-hmm. about. That's good. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I guess 15 years from now, that would be great. I mean, I also hope that I can still, like, run and jump and yes. that, like, my body still works. Yeah. So. <laughs> Because um, I love being outside, and I hope I'm still eating good food and laughing and experiencing life. And, um, but yeah, I guess that's what I would say. I really haven't thought about that. That's a really I, good I really think that the future mechanism of me is a bit broken after divorce.
0: So. <laughs> but that's also part of. I mean, that's also part of what makes your answer. Uh, I don't want to say like meaningful per se, but like, again, your. One of the things i have admired about you as an artist is your is is uh is your ability to successfully reinvent hmm. um it's pretty remarkable um most of the folks you and I know who have been artists have been functioning under the same name for if they've been around you know you've yeah. got thirteen records with this one with with page but you yeah. have moda sparrow which is a podcast you you know you you had autumn film you had like they're like they're and yeah. there's sort of multiple modes within even the page world um yeah most of the folks you and i know who've been around for 10 12 15 20 25 years it's the same name um yeah and and the reinvention processes have oftentimes been like uh not as successful they seem forced. Mm. I mean, let's be honest, right? Mm. Like some folks are like, oh, wow. That's okay. So Garth, uh, we really liked Garth Brooks. That was fun. <laughs> I don't know who the hell this guy is. And you yeah. just, just should never, ever wear eyeshadow ever again. The hell. Yeah. Um, but like reinvention, <laughs> is, reinvention is really difficult. And more, the, more yeah. the point, like to, to reinvent in the, uh, in the shadow of like as an actual response to actual life change without it Mm. without it looking like like weird emotive self-expression it's really freaking hard and so you've done that successfully and well you've led well courageously uh in like being Mm. able to reinvent and to stare some stuff straight in the face and say this is what's happening with my life and i'm gonna go ahead and do this so for you to say hey i hope to be making music uh 15 years from now i hope to i love this (laughs) you said like i want to be running and jumping and eating and like I want to be joyful.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. the focus on, you know, like you said earlier, very consistent, so consistent. Like I I wanted to connect the 2%, you know, 2% of which is mind-blowing by the way. The 2% of the production yeah. side in Nashville is female.
1: 2? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it should be bigger. It should be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
0: like I love that. Like you're you are uh you're humbly courageous about your your vision for uh for reinvention for the future. So I was looking forward to asking that question. Oh, thank you. Is there anything really specific? Like, I know we're going to, we want to tell folks to like, go listen to, go download the record, buy the vinyl and the hoodie, the whole thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else besides that? You're like, Hey, like, this is what's happening now. Here's the thing that's next podcast. What do you want people to go do to check out if they want to follow you for a while? Where do they go?
1: Yeah. I mean, so page CXVI, Spira, I am the Latifa are kind of all my Instagram handles and those are good spots. Um, I, I do respond to everybody. It just takes me some time. Mm-hmm. So if you have something you want to talk about, I love to connect with you. Um, and honestly, buying the vinyl and the t-shirt would be so enormous for me right now yep. because my tour with Audrey, Audrey Assad got canceled yes, and I did. ordered all this merch for the tour and I'm sitting on it. <laughs> so yeah. that would be such a gift if people would just if they love vinyl. It's a great sounding vinyl. Yeah. Um, And then Fun Parts is the latest podcast. Uh, it's called the Fun Parts podcast. Um, it is for adult ears only. So don't turn it on if your kids are in the car. I will say that mm-hmm. just because the topics are obviously about sexuality and sex and sensuality and spirituality. So my guess is most parents want to talk to their kids on their own terms about that. Um, and so that's the one warning I'll just say, but it's yeah. really good. I think it's really life-giving.
2: Fantastic.
1: Um, and then, um, I'm working on something with Audrey Assad right now, and I think it should be releasing in the fall under Moda Spira and Audrey Assad. So yeah. that's kind of exciting. That's exciting. Um, yeah. So man, I mean, if people just keep up with me on my socials, they'll, they'll be a, attuned to all the new music that's going to come out in the future. Just come to
0: the party and you'll know what's happening. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly right.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. I mean, it was great.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of the At Sea podcast. If you'd like to dig deeper into the album that has been woven throughout the course of this interview, you can just go to pagecxvi.com. That's p a g e cxvi.com and from there you can bounce to this album and any previous work that Latifah has done under that moniker. It's all fantastic I am a huge fan. Do it now and if you would like to be part of what's going on with this podcast you can just go to patreon.com and search my name, Justin McRoberts. We'd love to have you on the team. Until next time.